0: Okay, let me get, just get a couple of people, raise their hands real quick, and I'll call. Let, let's hear. What are you looking forward to this Christmas? Somebody from this section over here. Anybody? What? Seeing family. Okay, great. What about over here? Just shout it out. Family too. Rest, food. There's a lot of things we could be looking forward to. Uh, one of the things I always looked forward to, even growing up, was my 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 family, we would always go out and cut down a tree. Now, uh, growing up, I lived in a weird place, um, and we didn't have uh, the Christmas tree farms that we have nowadays, uh, and we didn't have a fake tree. So we had to go out into the woods, and my dad and I would go out, and we, because of school, I was only able to be there at Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve, we would go out, and we would go into the woods, and we'd chop down this tree. Most likely it was a Charlie Brown tree or something similar to that. And then, uh, and then we drag it back to the house and cross our fingers and hope that mom would like it, right? Um, that she would be happy with it and we wouldn't have to go out and get another one. Um, and even to this day, that's something that we as a family do. We uh, take time, not at Christmas Eve, um, we take time earlier so we can enjoy the tree a little bit more. Um, and we cut down a tree, and, and, and it's uh, something that uh, is a family tradition that we've been doing for quite a long time. Um, and so we're, um, <clears throat> we're by, by the way, ushers, please come down. Um, my bad. Uh, we're, yeah. So, our, uh, so that's one of our traditions uh, that we do, and I look forward to that um, all the time. Now, we've been doing this series, right, this Advent series over the last th- three weeks, taking a look at different perspectives on who Jesus is, right? And, and uh, mainly looking at, you know, when you think of the Advent series, it's this idea where we have to look back at Jesus' birth, right? We have to look back in time a little bit, but there's also this anticipation of Jesus coming again. Right, in the future of when Jesus will come back. And we live in this in-between. right? We live in this section where we, we're remembering what happened, but we're longing for what's going to happen again. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what am I looking forward to while I'm in-between? What am I looking forward to for this Christmas? We saw Matthew's description of Jesus as the Savior. We saw Uh, uh, Mark's description of Jesus as the servant, right? The suffering servant, the servant king. We saw Luke's description as the sacrifice, that Jesus was the sacrifice not only for the Jews, but for the whole world, that he is our sacrifice paid for everyone. And John, we take a look, and it's written throughout the whole book of John, and so that's what we're going to look at today. And that is that Jesus is the Son of God. That he is the sacrificial lamb, that he is the spotless lamb, um, and that he is the divine sacrifice for you and I. Now, if you have any questions about the book of John, I want to encourage you. Go up to any teenager that you see, because last year, school year between 2020 and 2021, our middle school and high school students they studied the book of John on Sunday mornings, right? They went, we went from chapter 1 all the way to the end, um, and we, we studied them. So I am 100% positive that they have retained everything that they learned last year. So please, if you have any questions, just go up to them and ask them, because I, they will tell you exactly what they learned. And, uh, and, and, and so let me give you a little bit of background for the book of John. There's no real mention... Of John as the author, but if you look at all of the scholars, they all agree that John's the author, mainly because of a phrase that's found throughout the book of John that says the disciple who was loved by Jesus or Jesus loved wrote this book right and and so they know that as John, and so that's what it comes out as. But some people can kind of see that and go, well what wh- why is John saying uh, that 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 I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Like, what about the rest of the disciples? And and this isn't a statement about, uh, you know, being the best or being the only one that Jesus loved. John is actually taking a humble approach to this and saying, no, this isn't about me. This is about Jesus and the fact that he loves everyone. And that it's all about Jesus' love. And we also don't find the nativity story here in, in the book of John. It's not mentioned. However, there is mention of the nativity story for the beginning of time. The story that, that tells us how, what was and what is back at the beginning of time. So let's jump into that. Um, this book begins with a poem and an intro, kind of like this opening to, uh, to a play Um, And it's going to pop up on the screen here. let me kind of read this through with you. And and this is going to set the stage for for the book. And so I I want you to hear this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we see this interesting phrase in the very beginning of this book, where it says that um, in the beginning was the word, and if you look at the Greek, the the interpretation of that is logos, right? We know that as the Greek word. Uh, But it's more than just handwritten words. It's more than just a book. It's this personality. It's this being, right? In the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God, so there was two, two beings there with God, and then the Word was God. Kind of blows your mind a little bit to try and understand this, but, but the, the, the concept is very clear that something, there's a being that was in the beginning, not only with God, but also was God. And it says, all things were made through him, and without him not anything was made. So this being was there. And then we go on to verse 14. Verse 14 says this. And Jesus, and, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we find out who the word is. Right? It's Jesus, right? The Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And it's very clear that as John is writing this book, and as he's laying this out, he wants us to read this book through this lens, that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, well, what does that mean today? I I understand that, okay? I I can get that. How does that help me understand? And how does that help me answer the question, who is Jesus for me this season? The last three gospels that we've looked at have laid out this incredible truth that we find in Book of John, right? And for us to understand this truth, it requires us to understand and know who Jesus is. And in knowing who Jesus is, we know who God is, and we understand the essence of God. And so what better way to look and understand who Jesus is, is by looking at His statements. And John captures these statements, and he gives it to us. Um, And he gives us seven I am statements that are laid out in the book of John. And we're going to kind of go through these because I want you to understand. If you grasp these I am statements of character and the person of God, of Jesus who is God, you'll be able to hang on to them. And live through them when life gets difficult and when it gets bumpy. Well, we, we find actually the first statement um, of I Am is, is the first place we see this in Scripture is in the Old Testament. Where Moses is at the burning bush and, and, uh, and, and he's in the wilderness and there's this burning bush in front of him. And, uh, and, and God speaks to him and says, listen. I've seen the Israelites, I've seen their struggles, I've seen their persecution, and I need to rescue, I want to rescue my people. And I'm going to have you do that. And of course, Moses is sitting there going, I I can't speak, I'm not a good, you know, I, I don't even know how to do this, what do you want? How am I supposed to go back to these people who know that I'm a murderer, And tell them that you're going to rescue them, that you're going to save them. And so God says to Moses very clearly in Exodus, he says this. He says, tell them this. Not only Pharaoh, but also tell the Israelites this. I am who I am has sent you. I am who I am has sent you. In other words, I am the one that was in the beginning, the one that is now, the one that is in the future, am sending you to the people, to rescue them, to tell them that I will rescue them. You see, that God of Moses, the eternal, unchanging, the preexistent, the infinite, the perfect being, is saying, I am. That's the same being that we find in the book of John. That's the same person that was the word that became flesh is the I am not a helper to god not just a great teacher not uh, just uh, but the divine the eternal the preexistent the infinite the perfect being the god of moses is not only there before time during but also in the future that same god that rescued israel is here to rescue you and i and the world today. And so John lays out these seven statements. These seven statements that are they're actually followed by a promise to you and I. So Jesus says, I am blank, and this is what it means for you and I today. Promises that we can cling to. So let's walk through these. The first one is this. It's found in chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. So our middle school and high school students um, and our young adult group, one of our young adult groups, uh, they they baked 2,600 cookies a couple weeks ago. They decorated them, they packaged them, and then they gave them to our he cares we care uh, people that they, that we're serving uh, and and the clients that were there given as a gift. Now for me, for me, I, if I'm looking for sustenance during this season, Christmas cookies is a good thing, right? I think I could sustain myself for with Christmas cookies for quite a long time, um, at least through this season. But that's uh, of course we know that that's not what. John is saying, and what Jesus is saying here to us, because he's coming out of feeding the five thousand. Right? He's feeding the five thousand people, and, and and he has just given them tangible bread, tangible um, things for them to eat. But he goes deeper, and he pushes it a little bit further because he's he's not only he he says, "I am the bread of life." This isn't something that you just eat and then. Uh, you get hungry in a half hour, right? This is something that's going to sustain you throughout your whole life and on and on. It's almost like he's referring back to the, the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. And they're wandering around, and God gave to them manna to feed them, right? Manna came down from heaven to feed the Israelites. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, I am coming down from heaven to feed your spiritual soul today. Take time to know and understand and accept the feeding of your spiritual soul. This bread that only Jesus gives will never go hungry. We will never go hungry and it will sustain us no matter what life throws at us. The second I am statement we see is in eight, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 12. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. The promise for us is whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As a teenager, I had a chance to, uh, me and some friends, we did some scouting in some hills nearby, and we found a cave. Um, and I don't know if any of you are cave people or like to go into caves, but I'm semi-claustrophobic, and so I don't like to go into caves, but I was with my friends, and I'm like, okay, we'll go. We got some flashlights. We kind of worked our way through the cave and um, saw some incredible things, and then all of a sudden, we came into this huge cavern that we were in, and we were, we, you know, we were just looking, just amazed at how much, uh, few lights that we had would light up the whole cavern. And so then um, one of my friends had the, the great idea. He said, well, why don't we turn off the lights? <laughs> Being somebody that's claustrophobic, this is not a good idea, especially if the lights don't turn back on, right? There's that, that glimmer of, you know, what if the batteries just die? So we turned out the lights. I was bold, enough, and it was pitch black. Like you could not even see the, your hand. I mean, this was, there was nothing there was no reflection. There was no um, little spark somewhere, or little little crack in the in in the in the ground that would let some light in. There was absolutely nothing. And then one of us turned on one flashlight, and it completely lit up the whole room. You see, here's the thing: the definition of darkness is the absence of light. If you and I are created by light, to be in the light, without light, we're in darkness. In other words, so so what you're saying is that if I don't have light in my life, then I'm living in darkness. If I don't have Jesus in my life, then I'm living in darkness. That's a harsh truth, but that's reality. Yes, we are in darkness without Jesus. And he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light and you will be able to see Where you are going and what I have for you. Jesus goes on to say this. He says this in chapter 10. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And of course, we know this because it's up on the wall. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And we see, again, these two incredible promises that are coming out of these statements that that Jesus says. He says, first, I am the door. And if you know anything about um, the culture and the sheep, here's the thing. Whenever the shepherds would come to a gathering, let's let's say they were coming to church, just like you and I, right? Um, And what they would do is they would take the sheep and they would put them in a pen, but there was a gate there. Um, that would let the sheep go in and go out. So they would put all the sheep, and all the different shepherds would come in. they put all their sheep in one area. And then as the shepherd left, he would call them, he would call his sheep. And it says in Scripture that the sheep will know, know you by your voice. This door, this idea of a door, that Jesus is the door, is not only to protect us from what's outside, but it's also a door that opens us to that pasture, that, that green pasture that he has for us. He would never open up that door into something that is barren. He would only open up that door for the, for the sheep to go into a green and a fresh pasture. And that's the promise that he gives us. That's the promise, that he's going to lead us to better ground, to feed them, not only to feed them, but to protect them and to watch over them. And then he goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd takes care of his sheep. Takes care of his sheep. He, you know, when the sheep comes back and, and it's got burrs and thorns and, and things in its hair, the good shepherd takes time to pull that stuff out and to remove that. And if there's a scratch or a cut or anything, the good shepherd wraps it and takes care because he is willing to do everything that he can, even to the point of laying down his life for his sheep. And Jesus is referring not only to, to, to this idea that they, they would understand and fully understand, but also the fact that King David, who was there, and everyone there would have known that he was the shepherd king. And in, in, in when he's mentioned, it says that he stood in front of the lion and the bear and he fought off the lion and the bear to protect his sheep. That's the same Jesus that is here with us. That is the same Jesus that's mentioned here is that he's willing to sacrifice his life for his sheep, for you and I. Chapter 11 says this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me Though he die, yet shall live. And Jesus is talking to, uh, to Martha right now because Lazarus has just died. And Martha is complaining to Jesus and he's saying, why didn't you come sooner? You could have healed him. If you would have just come when I first called you, you could have healed Lazarus, your friend, my brother. And Jesus is saying to her, hey, I hear what you're saying, but I've got something so much bigger. It says, whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall live. He's saying that um, I am the resurrection and the life. And it's almost in reference to back to the time of creation where Adam and Eve, they made a mistake which brought death into the world. But here Jesus is coming and he's saying, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm not bringing death. I'm bringing life and hope and peace and love back into the world. Chapter 14, verse 6 says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we read that and we go, wow. Wow. That's a pretty bold statement there. because And if you look at our society nowadays, there are countless ways of how to figure out where we're going in life. There's different kinds of religions. There's different things. If you do this, if you do good works, if you do all these things, if you, if you treat people right, if you do these things, this will get you to eternity. Whether it's a religion, whether it's we see something, whether we think that, that what is that is real. Maybe it's this believing in things that really don't hold any truth. How people may believe in the lies that are being told to them of who they are, that they're not good enough. And Jesus is saying, I am the way, I am the truth. And I'm the life. That's the only path that Jesus gives us. What would our heavenly father be if there were other paths? What would he be if if he said, oh, no, I'm going to sacrifice my son. But if you want, you can come over this way. That wouldn't be a very good father, would it? And he says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then verse fifteen, uh, chapter 15, verse 5, he says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And it goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, here's the promise, whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's this idea of how there's this vine and it's growing. But it needs its sustenance. It needs needs the, the food for it to be strengthened, to be strong, and to be able to produce fruit. And so our role in that is to abide in him is to abide in Jesus, to know him, to understand so that he can sustain us through this and he can help us go through whatever we're struggling with today. Okay. You've told me who John says Jesus is. You've told me who Jesus says he is. But what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with Advent and this period that we're in of remembering Christ's birth and longing forward to his coming again. This time that, what, who is Jesus for me this season? Well, it means everything. All those promises and, and truths that are being given to us. If Jesus is the Son of God, the word that was in the beginning with God, though and through the creation was created became flesh, experienced pain, experienced hurt, struggles, loneliness, the same things that we experience, even to the point of death. He goes and he pays the ultimate sacrifice that is required by God for the forgiveness of sins. And not only that, but he conquers death and is now sitting at the right hand of God. Then all of the promises, the descriptions, and the characters that are followed by a promise are true for you and I. We can hang on to those when life gets difficult. We can know that He's going to be there because of the promises that He has given to us. That's the Jesus we worship. That's the Son of God that we follow and we live for and we long for. We long to get to know Him so we can understand God better and we can know God better. If He says who He is and who John says He is, then it changes everything on how we view things. Every single promise that he says is true. Every statement that is given to you and I to rescue you and I from sin and the circumstances and the struggles that we find ourselves in is true. In fact, in John 20, he says this, and John gives us why he writes this book. He says this, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. He's saying, listen, there's a ton of stuff that Jesus did that I'm not going to tell you. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's why John wrote this book, to prove to you and I that Jesus is the Son of God. So who is Jesus for you this season? Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're worn out. Maybe you're struggling with life. There's things just keep coming at you. And you need sustenance. You need that bread of life that only comes from Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You need that spiritual bread that will sustain you as you go through the ups and downs, as you struggle through that, that has given to you and I by the Creator. Maybe you've lost your way. Maybe maybe it's dark right now, and you're not sure what direction and what choice and, and what you need to do. And you need Jesus to light the way for you, to show you the truth, to show you the way so that you know where to go. Maybe you've tried to figure it out yourself, and it hasn't worked. And it's time to say, okay, I need you to show me the way. Maybe you're fearful of what's going to happen next. Maybe there's a decision that you have to make and it's almost like there's this door right in front of you and you're not sure, should I open the door? Should I go through it? Can I trust that Jesus is going to lead me to the better pasture? And it's a decision that you're struggling with because you're fearful of what might happen. Maybe you just need the good shepherd to be with you during this turbulent time and during this, the, the, the ups and downs that you might be going through. Maybe there's something that's there that, that you just need Him, whether it's to, to, to patch up a wound, to heal you, to watch over you, to protect you, but to be that person that is there for you day in and day out, that can only come because He is the Son of God, because His shelter is complete, His protection is perfect, And his guidance is foolproof because he is God. Maybe you need Jesus in your life. And Pastor Boyd talked to us about that last week. Maybe that's a decision that you've been mulling over this past week and you're ready. You're like, you know what? I don't have anything else that I can choose. I've tried everything else. And it hasn't worked. And I need Jesus in my life right now. Maybe you've been trying to find truth in all different forms. And trying different things and different religions and different paths to try and find where you need to go. And Jesus is saying to you today, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But it's not only the truth, but it's also the life that's added to it. If he is the good shepherd and is willing to sustain us and holds that door for us, how much more can we trust him when he says, I am the truth, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? Maybe for you, you're preparing for the next step and You need to just abide in Jesus and abide in Him and to get back on track with your Heavenly Father and say, I've been trying to do this on my own and I'm just not being sustained, and I need you. I need you to sustain me today. I need you to sustain me this season. What do you need Jesus to be for you this season? Each of these statements I guarantee will resonate with each one of us here. And As I look at them, um, these are statements that I've struggled with. There's been times when I've been worn out and I've been tired and I've needed Jesus to sustain me. There's been times when, when the path in front of me is dark and I need His light. I need Him to show me where to go. The door seems to be closed or I'm not sure what's on the other side or I need his protection. I just need him to be the good shepherd, the wonderful counselor that he is. In the beginning, I needed him to rescue me. Each one of us can resonate with at least one, if not more, of these statements this season. And I want us to leave today asking ourselves the question, who do I need Jesus to be for me this season? Jesus is the Son of God. He's with God. He was God. He is God. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty king, everlasting father. And he is the Prince of Peace. Maybe for you, it's you just need to celebrate Jesus. And you need to praise him this season for what he has done for you. Join us as we worship together.